people are giving us very hard earned money and they trust us and that's not anything we play with. So that to me is as big of a deal as the actual cigars we're putting out is interaction with the people, taking care of people, making sure that cause cigars are going to get broke. They're just, yeah. it's fragile. Oh, sure. You know, it's going to happen and we just got to make sure that, uh, the way that it gets fixed for our people that they're super happy. My name is Kyle Willis and this is marketing from the Roosevelt room. Hey, I want to welcome you to a new episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. Uh, I am really excited today to share with you a guest of mine that I'm going to fanboy a little over with. Uh, I have one of the owners of Ezra Zion, Kyle Hoover, with me here. And Ezra Zion, for those who are not cigar aficionados, is one of the leaders in boutique cigars. They have created an incredible community and following around their brands where when when they put out a new release, I have about 30 minutes to jump online and try to buy it before they sell out. They have this massive demand uh, for incredible cigars that I think what Kyle and his a team have created as it relates to building a brand and a community around that brand is going to be able to provide some awesome insights for you as a business owner that I'm excited to connect with Kyle on today. So Kyle, thank you for being with us i'm really excited to have you here yeah you bet man the honor is absolutely all mine i was very very stoked when uh got your email about doing this and uh like i said right before we went uh, on air uh it's really cool for me to be able to do an interview that uh, gets a little bit more under the hood as far as uh you know the marketing and the business side of it um most interviews we do are you know, uh, tobacco centric or working with yeah. this factory or crazy stories from the road, which there's a lot of them. I want to hear but, some of those uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a really long story. I don't know if we have time to go into it, but, uh, I basically had to trick an entire airport full of people in Esteli, Nicaragua, that my business partner, Chris Kelly was actually the lead singer from Metallica <laughs> to get this. Uh, it's crazy, right? This is a, it's a great long, you know, 20, 30 minutes story to tell after everyone's had a few drinks, right? We oh my gosh. But we had to, you know, we had to get on the plane with all of the cigar blends that we had done. We had a suitcase full and uh, we had to make sure that precious cargo got, uh, didn't get stashed underneath in the belly of the beast yeah. in that airplane. So anyway, it's uh it turned out to be a really cool thing, but yeah, not, oh. not to, not to go too far afield right out of the gate. Yeah, no, no. Let, let's definitely circle back on that because I want to, I want to hear more about that. And uh, as I've watched you and Chris, you know, I've certainly uh, enjoyed the way you two interact. And I don't know if this was when Chris was rocking his massive goatee or not. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, especially in Nicaragua, any, any opportunity they get to, to have a celebrity on staff. I would love to hear how you trick them on that. <laughs> oh man. Oh, it's a good one. Well, you know, for those who are joining our podcast and not uh, c cigar aficionados, uh, one of the things that I have loved as I got into uh, cigars, especially the boutique world, and little context, you know, the way I like to define boutique cigars, and Kyle, correct me as you are the, the true expert on this, simplest way I could define it is comparing it to the microbrew world, in that you mm -hmm. have uh, the Budweiser's and the Coors 
out there that are the Romeo and Julietas, Macanudos that everyone knows and sees at a gas station. But when you want true craftsmanship, when you want uh, a, a true ownership of the brand that goes into every detail that makes up your product, that's where you get into the small batch boutique cigars and what Ezra has built their name around. Is that correct? I think that's absolutely spot on. In fact, I use um, the same sort of parallel with the uh, you know, beer uh, world with the you know cigars and boutiques and stuff like that. I pull that same you know analogy. So oh, perfect. Yes, very very artisan, very hands on, um, a very small batch. And you know, when we first got into cigars, you know, we kind of made the progression. Chris and I, even before we met, you, know, you start off with some of the more mainstream cigars, and as your palate develops, you know, pretty soon you're but he's giving you this cigar. He says it's the greatest thing ever. And, you know, yeah. it's a tatuaje or something, you know, more kind of boutique. And uh, that was kind of a new emerging thing coming on the scene uh, when I got into it. So I've kind of been able to follow that journey. But we were, you know, cigar nerds way before we ever got into the business. And so, you know, being able to now be on the other side and creating cigars, that's, that's the kind of cigars I was a fan of. Yeah. And those are the kind of cigars I want to make. So I, I, I nerd out on being able to find really rare tobaccos, old tobacco stuff that has been put aside, forgotten about, you know, uh, bales have been stashed, you know, on top of these things because there wasn't just, there wasn't enough tobacco to do a production run of uh, 200,000 cigars. Sure. You sure. know, that kind of thing. So what we found was there was a lot of that little, we call them remnant tobaccos that are around that are just absolutely amazing um, that we could use. And so that's, that's boutique. It's, you know, going out and wanting to create an artisan product, very hands-on, very small batch and uh, very high quality is at least <laughs> highest quality that we can make. Yeah. So I'd love to just understand a little bit the mindset you and Chris had in the beginning setting off to say, let's create not only a cigar company, but a boutique cigar company uh, where the competition is huge with some of the big players of general cigars and say, you know what, we're the, the confidence you guys must have had to say, we're willing to take this risk. What was that conversation like between you and Chris in the beginning where you took that, that challenge and, and wasn't afraid of what was going to come your way in the beginning. Well, it's funny you use that uh, verbiage cause it was literally a conversation. So <laughs> I had this idea and just popped in my head on a weekend, um, to, you know, start a cigar company. Yeah. And, uh, Chris and I met in church. We're both Christians. Our faith's real important to us. And so I, I shot him a text said, man, are you going to be at church tomorrow? He's like, no, let's have lunch this week. So, we got together for lunch, sitting across the table. And, uh, you know, if you've ever seen any sort of interviews where Chris and I are on and, you know, the, the banter back and forth, that's just how we are. Okay. That's not a show. That's just, you know, so I had to be like, dude, let me get this all out before you say anything. Because, <laughs> Chris, you know, we're talking over each other all the time. So, anyway, yeah. I sat him down and I was like, hey, man, I got this idea. I think it's legit. You know, what if we started a cigar company and, you know, we can make the best cigars in the world and, you know, totally, totally <laughs> naive, right? It'll be super easy because we're so great at smoking them. Right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we could work with these factories and we could get the best and we could blah, blah, blah. And I just went through this whole thing. So I finally get done and I go, all right, now tell me what, tell me what you think. And he goes, bro, that's the coolest thing I ever heard. How do we <laughs> do that? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't, I couldn't tell you a cigar factory where it's at. I, I mean, you know, this is, 
this is a long time ago where, I mean, we had internet, but it wasn't like you didn't have the access, you know, yeah. via social or it just, the information just wasn't as out there. Um, yeah, I'm not too old. It wasn't like, you know, pre. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, we're just getting out of dial up, right? You know, yeah. um, stuff loaded really slow, but no, it wasn't that bad. But, you know, we, when he was like, well, how do you do that? I was like, I have no idea. You know, mm. I would just say what we had was desire, passion, and we knew that, um, you were just gonna have to learn. Yeah. So we started traveling, going to different events. Um, and the one in particular, uh, Manolo Casada, who is awesome, did an event. We went to it. We said, Hey man, you know, we want to make the greatest cigars ever. What are you, who are you? They said, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gringos. Well, I'll talk to you guys after the events over. Don't monopolize my time. <laughs> we didn't know. Right. Sure. We never been on that side of it. So anyway, he was gracious enough to, after everybody left, sat down, popped open a bottle of scotch. We lit up some, uh, some of his cigars and, uh, he said, all right, boys, you know, as he took a big, long draw on his cigar and blew yeah. it out, he goes, all right, what do you, what do you boys want to do? And I very, you know, very naively said, I just want to make the best cigars in the world, sir. And he goes, <laughs> okay. He took another draw on his cigar and he goes, well, first thing you boys need to understand is there's a big difference between smoking them and making them. Hmm. And I was like, oh, this guy, this guy, this is like the master Yoda of cigars. He's so wise. And so he just sat there and, and he talked to us and he's like, the first thing you need to do if you want to make good cigars is you need to forget about making cigars. And then I thought, oh, great. Now I'm getting punked by Manolo Casada. This guy, you know, I'm great. I feel like an idiot. And as he started talking, he was like, here's the thing. If you go out and you say, you know, hey, we're a couple guys. We got a little bit of startup money and we're going to go down to XYZ factory and make cigars. They're going to wine you and dine you and they're going to, you know, hey, try this tobacco and this and this and you're going to count with a blend that you're going to like and you're going to get it and it's not going to be the blend. And you're going to get completely ripped off and it's going to be a cigar that's a novelty. You can go out and smoke and golf with your buddies and he's like, you can put your face on the label or whatever and it'll be like patch on the head. Hey, that's cool. Next thing, right? Yeah. He said, and that's if you want to jump into what you're going to get. Smart thing to do is become students of tobacco. He goes, and this is going to be a long process. You guys need to learn about making cigars are what about different tobaccos, soils, countries, what it's like to do business with different factories. And he just went through the whole thing. So when we left there, we're driving home and, and, uh, it was a couple hours actually, uh, back to where we lived. And, uh, so Chris and I were talking and I said, you know what, dude, I know that this is going to be a lot longer process than we thought. Cause I mean, you know, we thought out the gate, we're, oh, <laughs> we're sure. the greatest ever, right? Of course. I mean, look at my humidor. I know what this is. Um, <laughs> But we just committed to the process. So we knew we didn't know. And, you know, we got good counsel. We were willing to listen. We were willing to be teachable. We were humble, um, all that stuff. And we just thought, you know, we're just going to have to pay dues for a while. And we did. So we, we took a lot of different trips to learn. And that's really where it started out. So, I mean, our first release was in 2012 at the trade show in Orlando. And that cigar at that time, Inception, now called Jean Vu, um, we worked up for over a year on that. Yeah. And I, I think back to that and blending is now something that we do. I mean, every, every day, just about, uh, but back then it was, you know, that, that learning curve, but we just, we committed to it. We knew that we're going to have to pay dues, but if we do it right, we're going to come out on the other side and it's going to be something we're going to be able to you know, be proud of. And it's going to be sustainable. And, you know, that barrier to entry to that cigar world, being able to, you know, put out that cash, put out that time and that money and that investment in, in knowledge, we knew that that was a 
price that we were willing to pay. And, you know, to us, it was, um, the buried interest so high, if we're willing to pay it, then now we've, we've achieved something that not everybody else, as far as competition wise is willing to go do. Oh yeah. And I mean, if someone does jump into it and they just go, ah, screw that. I'm just going to go make a cigar. Cause I know what good cigars are. We have a competitive advantage over that guy because of what we know. And that really is the only difference in people is what you know and what you know to do. So to give you a very long answer, <laughs> the first question this is going to be a two and a half hour. Long podcast. <laughs> no, I think what you're saying though is huge because it's an issue I see so often with entrepreneurs that I talk to and business owners that we work with in our agency is that they think there's the fast track. If I just run Facebook ads, everyone's going to want to buy my product. And if I, if I just get to market, that's all I have to do is just, just start. And while I'm a huge fan of, people who need to take action and there, yes, there's a lot of people on the sideline. I think to what you said of two aspects I pulled out really importantly is one, find a mentor. The importance of getting mm-hmm. underneath the wings of someone who's gone before you to educate you and prepare you for what the journey looks like. And if you didn't have Manuel Caseda telling you what to act, you know, what it meant to put on uh, your big boy shoes and prepare for right. the process ahead, you guys would have rushed a product to market that it probably would have failed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you would have been able absolutely right. to study, yeah. you know, in your product, what you guys, if what I'm pulling out, if you guys mastered the process of knowing what goes in to a good cigar versus a bad cigar and, and what you said of being committed to the process, I imagine you smoked hundreds, if not thousands, of bad cigars leading up to what became Yamas Vu uh, as your end product. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and we say this all the time too. You know, there's there's two ways that you can learn your mistakes or somebody else's mistakes. Yeah, right? I'd, rather, I'd rather learn from somebody else's mistakes. So <laughs> you know, having a mentor and Manola was. I mean, that was one of the first, probably the first real you know industry conversation we had. But as we went out there and, and for people who don't know the cigar industry, I, I feel like it's, it's a lot different than a lot of other industries in that it's more of a, a brotherhood, a fraternity, cool. um, you know, family of people. So, I mean, you know, the, the Padrones talked to us, you know, we're down, uh, you know, Carlito Fuente talked to us. I mean, there's like Titans in the industry, yeah. uh, that were, that would help, you know, these new guys who never put out a cigar, you know, they, it, I'm sure they see people like that all the time and they were gracious enough to throw, you know, some knowledge out there to us, help us and guide us. And I would just say it was the willingness to learn and to be like, you know what, I'm dumb. So whatever (laughs) you've got, I'll take, I mean, really that's, and that's really the same posture that we still have. And we never outgrow that every day. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm behind. I need to, I need to learn. I need to grow. I need to get better. Yeah. Uh, I always have something to prove because I can't just sit back and go, Oh yeah, no, we're good. We're great. We're this. No, 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 no. My family deserves better than that. You know, my, my God deserves better than that. And the people who, enjoy my product is there better than that so that's how we approach that you're speaking my language i have a big sign behind me in my office that says stay hungry stay humble and i think Mm -hmm. it's that aspect of humility uh 
along with a, a tenacious and drive that would propel a business forward. And I think you guys have mm-hmm. modeled both aspects of that, the humility to be able to listen to your audience and your customers, listen to the, the titans in the industry, as you alluded to, and build that relationship. You know, I think just highlighting first with, with your customers, me being one of them, feeling like I can send emails to you guys. I mean, I remember a few months ago, I sent an email back saying I had, had a concern or question with a product. And I think I got a direct email from you addressing that saying, man, I'm sorry. I, you know, what can I do to make it right? And just that pers- that personalization to your brand that there isn't this, you know, 10 levels I have to go through to have <laughs> my concern addressed, but that effort you put into to make sure all of your customers feel like they're number one. Yeah. I mean, you know, the cliche customers King, right? That's cliche for a reason. So, you know, we, we look at it like, again, going back to, you know, our faith, uh, you know, the greatest among you will be the servant of all we're here to, we're here to serve. Right. Yeah. So we serve in not only, um, creating the best possible products we can, that that's, that's kind of the first thing, because if you have, you know, great marketing and, you know, great packaging and it looks super cool and your product sucks. I mean, it's like, a, you know, it's a house built on the sand, right? It's going to be the prettiest cigar that anybody ever smoked once. Yeah. You got to deliver the goods, baby. Right. So that's, that's where it starts. But then once you have that product, that's and hopefully, you know, in your opinion, it's great. Hopefully everyone else thinks so too, but <laughs> then it's a matter of how does that get brought to market? And the whole thing about, you know, treating people the way you want to be treated and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, again, these are, these are cliches, but they're cliche for a reason in our opinion. So every time we talk about customer service and, and you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big, big deal for us. So it's, it's something where customer service with, with our team, that, that's everybody's responsibility. If, if we need to have something, you know, run up the flagpole to Chris and I, uh, we get an email through our, you know, customer service email, whichever platform we're on. Uh, if it's not something that's, uh, easily fixed if it's a more complicated thing that i mean there's we never nickel and dime when it comes to customer service we don't nickel and dime our customers if someone has for instance a um broken cigar because i mean cigars are fragile right yeah so they're made out they're made out of leaves uh one one box gets dropped by the by the mailman and you have a cracked cigar It, it wasn't my fault it wasn't the customer's fault it was the mailman's fault but of course it's never their fault right so i get the email right we get the email and our thing is basically, you know, we, we're, we're creating reactions, right? Emotional reactions in people. We want to, when they open the package, we want a wow. You know, wow, wow, this is, oh, this is amazing. This, that's what we want. We don't want, ah, you know, that's kind of the same thing as before. No, it's always got to be better and better and better. So if they open up their package and something's damaged, that might be a bad thing to some people. We look at that as an opportunity because it's another opportunity for us to then exceed expectations and create a, a wow moment. So for instance, if someone has a broken cigar out of a five pack, just say we send them another five pack and wow. we'll get an email back inevitably saying, guys, guys, it was only one cigar. It was, you don't need to send me another five pack. And we say, Hey, enjoy those four. Now, now people are going to email me. Oh, Hey, I had a broken cigar. Hey, don't <laughs> cheat everybody. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the honor system, right? But, right. Right. We want to exceed expectations for that person and let them know, number one, uh, you're a big deal to us. Yeah. You matter. And you're, you know, the hundreds and thousands of people that order from us, you know what? It's like uh, Christ, he left the 99 to get the one. The one matters because that one person, 
our, our secret strategy for marketing is happy customers, raving fans, right? We spend zero in advertising, zero. We spend nothing. Hmm. All of our customers do our marketing for us. And so it's really, really important to us that customer service is personal. It's exceeding expectations. We don't just replace a, pr- a product. We replace the product and then some. That's and amazing. that to us is an investment in that customer because who else does that? That's a way that gives us a competitive advantage over other people because, you know, if we knock your socks off with customer service, you're going to go out there and you're going to, you're going to post that on social. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm one of those guys in your corner. I think I try to, I think I've been able to collect every release you guys have put out because of that customer service. You know, when I had an issue in the past, it was, man, I know they'll take care of me. And therefore you got, someone in your corner to champion your success as I want to be a part of that growth now and I'll be your brand evangelist. And I think that's what Ezra has done so well. It's amazing to hear you guys have done that with zero advertising, zero effort in marketing because you've created this community, this culture of raving fans who will go out there and spread that message for you. I'd love to learn a little more of where that came from as obviously that didn't happen from day one. So what went into understanding your, who your audience is, what they desire, and then uh, how Ezra built around those desires to create the culture you have now? Well, I look at the cigar industry and you know, being able to, first of all, be a fan of cigars. Um, that's funny because people ask, you know, do you guys only smoke your own stuff? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fanboy for a lot of different companies. So there's a lot of phenomenal cigars out there. Sure. Um, right now it's, a, it's an amazing time, but, uh, being a fan first and then, uh, you know, being able to travel extensively and, you know, kind of learn the cigar culture, you know, learn this industry, I think has been, it's, it's an invaluable thing because, um, you're able to see the patterns, um, the things that people like in cigars. Um, and so we were just able to kind of put our finger on the pulse and it basically came down to Chris and I saying, well, what would we like? what do we want to do? And we, we really limited, you know, and changed our company to things that were fun for us, things that were interesting to us. And you know, it was like, uh, well, really rare artists and stuff. Like we nerd out on that stuff. Okay. Well, what if we put out a, you know, if there's only, you know, a few hundred cigars, let's just put something out yeah. uh, and do it direct. We stumbled into this by accident. We wow. didn't mean for this to happen. We were just having fun and it became a thing. And we we're like, well, Hey, People love it. They'll let's listen to the, the market giving us feedback, right? Let's let's continue down this path because we're having an absolute blast. So we really approached um, our market based on you know what we were seeing, but also on the things that that we liked. I mean, we looked at actually uh, there was some I can't remember who put them out, but there were some statistics about boutique smokers, demographic statistics that, about age and um, you know kind of what that profile looked of your average boutique guy, and it was you know, it was me and Chris. You know, someone who's, you know, uh, got to a place in their life where they have a little bit of disposable income, cigars are an affordable luxury, uh, you know, and wanting to get more into the kind of behind the curtain, a little more accessible with and boutique companies tend to be that there's, there's people <laughs> behind that, yeah, it's not just a yeah. conglomerate, right? It's someone that can respond back to you on social and it's not just, uh, you know, a guy that's hired to do it. This is the guy that actually walked the barns and smoked the tobaccos and blended the cigar and that kind of stuff. Um, that's what, that's what people were, were wanting. And I think with, you know, the whole social media component coming in the last 
you know, 10 years, uh, it's really made that community dynamic and that, um, that nerdy, and I say that very positively <laughs> dynamic with our product. Yeah. I'm number one cigar nerd. I, I admit it, but it made, it made that whole dynamic, uh, become associated with, with this product. So if someone gets one of our cigars, uh, or they just, I mean, you know, you see it everywhere. Anybody yeah. gets any cigar package in the mail from any company, they'll take pictures of them opening the box and do all this stuff. It's a very interactive, very, very, uh, community, uh, type product now. And so that's, that's what we wanted our company to be. It's very accessible. It's very, um, communal. It's something that people can you know post about, talk about. And, you know, it, we make an effort for anybody that actually properly t- tags us on any social media platform. And sometimes I'll see it and they don't actually tag, you know, at Ezra Zion Cigars on Instagram or something like that. It'll just come up in the feed. But anytime we see anybody tag us in anything, we like and respond to it. We don't, we want to engage that customer, even just to say thank you, because if they took the time to number one, you know, purchase a product and then post about it, you know, it's going on to all of their followers that that's a big deal to us. So oh, yeah. that just that engagement, that, that uh, appreciation, that I guess, honoring of the customer and being like, Hey, you matter. You know, that's a big deal to us. Thank you. That's huge. Yeah, we couldn't do it without you. That's, that's, that's huge. And it takes effort, but that's free. That cost me no money to have us be able to do that. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's just a matter of keeping that same posture. And like you, you said before that sign, uh, you in your office, that hunger, that desire to, continue to make things better and to, and to make things good for our customers and creating that whole experience. And, and, you know, where people feel emotionally like connected, like I could reach out to Kyle on Instagram and, you know, Ezra Zion cigars, I could talk to Kyle and Chris, I could hit them on Facebook. These guys are accessible. I can, and I had a yeah. guy today ask me about the, uh, the cigar we did, the Elysian field cigar, uh, for underground that, uh, got released this week at the, the big event they did, um, asking about the blend and it took me a day to get back to it, but, to be able to engage with that person be like, Hey, here's what's going on. I mean, it takes a minute out of my day, uh, but it matters. I have to ask you about that one later. I got a five pack of those on the way. So <laughs> I'm excited to try those ones out, but I think you're, you're hitting my heartstrings of that aspect of making sure you're always available. And there's a balance of be, uh, being available, being approachable, connecting to your audience, but as well, the, the negatives of what social media has created is there's a lot of haters out there and just a lot of people, you know, call it trolling who love to jump online and just say crap without ever having tried your product or really understanding your product. I love to know how do you guys respond or is it more your responses to the lack thereof to people who like to troll and, uh, and not pay attention to those haters? Yeah. So to us, cigars is a, a happy product. It's a celebratory product. Yeah. You know, you, you have uh, you have a baby, you smoke a cigar, you get married, you smoke cigars, yeah. you have a great day at work, any accomplishment, you smoke cigars, even if it's just, you know, my day is over and it was a good day. Yet you have a cigar. That's kind of like, you know, a reward. That's it's a, it's a happy product. No one says, man, you know, my life sucks. Let's have a cigar. <laughs> I mean, you know, typically not unless you're just you know, a hardcore smoker, like you'd just smoke any time, which I guess is probably a lot of us, but <laughs> in general, this is a, uh, a positivity product. It's fun. It's, 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 uh, you know, it's happy. Yeah. So that's how we 
engage this. Our, um, I guess our, our, our brand, what we want our brand to be is fun. Uh, we want our brand to be exciting. We want our personalities to come through. Uh, and we, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's joy, I guess is what it is. You know, our lives are full of joy. Our hearts are full of joy. We love what we do. You know, we're living the dream. Uh, never thought in a million years we would be able to do what we do. Hmm. And every day, even with the ups and downs of business and challenges that come and, you know, look, there's, there's 10,000 different challenges that come, but at the end of the day, we love what we do. And so we want that, that joy, that excitement, that, that happiness to come through our brand. And it just so happens we're not selling, you know, spark plugs, no offense to those who sell spark plugs. That's great. We all need them. I love them. But, uh-huh. you know, it's not like, you know, it would be quite a challenge to be like, man, I'm so excited about these spark plugs. But you get cigars. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I get cigars and I'll have our warehouse. I live about an hour away from our warehouse. And sometimes I'm like, hey, you know, the new blends that just came in from the factory and, you know, XYZ factory in Esteli or whatever, I can't get up the front of the week. I need to QC those blends. I need you to overnight me some down. When I get that package, these are my cigars that I blended. And I get that package. It's like Christmas morning again. Sure, I, sure. I get excited about it, right? And every everybody that gets a shipment of cigars understands that feeling. It's a happy product. So I say all that to say, I don't feel like there's any room for haters. So we that. ignore them. I love there's that. just there's that's I mean, we're not going to engage in that. Yeah, we're not going to. And if someone got real nasty, we just block you because that's not what we're about. And I can't think of a single time that someone came came at us with something that our people didn't defend us, mm. didn't answer that. And so and that's a, that's a, that's a very, very, I mean, I'll use the, the, well, the word yeah, sacred thing, that bond between, you know, our company and the, the folks who, who smoke Ezra yeah. and uh, who believe in Ezra and not only like our product, like us, you know, that, that friendship, I mean, really is what, what it is and how we feel about it. That's a big deal because, you know, they have our back. And so we let everyone, you know, ferret that argument out or conversation or whatever. I need to focus on, and Chris and I need to focus on making great cigars and focusing on having our people that are smoking those have the absolute best smoking experience possible from the cigar itself to the packaging, to how fast they got delivered, to taking care of them if there's any problems. That, that's our focus. And, you know, people fail for, because of broken focus. And I can't, I can't take hours out of my day or time out of my day to respond to haters yeah. or to have arguments with haters. Why would I respond to that when <laughs> I can't hardly keep up with all the people who love us and are sending us, you know, or they're posting and saying how much they like it or we're getting emails from people that are, you guys are my favorite. You guys are the best. I'm, I'm going to invest in responding to those people and let the haters, you know, let the haters hate. I just, we just don't even engage. That, I think that's that's huge because that's uh, I mean I know I personally have wrestled with and I'm sure many others as well of not giving mind space not giving energy to those who distract you or take you away from your mission and therefore mm-hmm. only spending your energy on what fuels your mission if this does not propel me forward then it's a waste of my time now yes want to respect and honor anyone who has an actual complaint. But if this does, you know, the oh, of course. those will help fuel your mission, but someone who just wants to get there and, you know, talk shit, then great. You're going to, we're going to 
send you on your way or block you, like you said, because that does not fuel our mission moving forward. We're here to really bring joy. And if you're going to take away our joy, then we're not going to spend time on you. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing, too, that I think is so funny, and it doesn't actually happen very often. It happens, but it's, it's rare. We'll have someone post something, you know, negative about us or, or whatever. And you go back and look. They've never ordered from us. <laughs> These people don't know us. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've never heard of you in my entire life. So that's ridiculous. And, and, and then also a very rare occasion where someone will order something from us, have an issue with their order. Like I said, you know, that gets stepped on by the, by the mailman or dropped or something like that. Sure. And there's a legitimate issue. Usually it's someone who is a new customer to us. They have a handful of orders. Maybe it's their first order and they don't know the process for, you know, getting taken care of. Yeah. So that, that kind of a thing would be like, Hey, please email us. Uh, or, you know, I, I've let our customer service team at the warehouse know what's going on first thing tomorrow morning, or, you know, if it's a weekend, first thing Monday morning, this is coming out to you. Don't worry about it. Have a great weekend. You know, you're taken care of. Yeah. And once they learn like, Oh, well, I don't need to go on social and, you know, post on you know Facebook and, and bitch about how awful these guys are. Yeah. These guys are great. And <laughs> inevitably, inevitably it's a second post. This is the best company in the world. I love Chris and Kyle. I'm sending them Christmas cards. Again, like I said before, it's an opportunity to exceed expectations, to make sure someone gets taken care of, to serve someone well. And I really create that. I mean, we actually, we actually do care. I mean, I really actually care. And so it comes through in our product. It comes through in our customer service, in our shipping times and everything else, the procedures, you know, that we have with our people that shit, the way things are packaged, all the standards that we've set, those rules and standards are in place because we care. We care about the customer. So we want the experience to be great. And so everything flows out of that. You know, we care about our people. So it's, you know, again, another long answer to a <laughs> relatively simple question. But I love the story. You know, this is helpful. So yeah, that's, that's what I get. As it relates to your care about your customers, and I imagine a lot of you know, the answer to my next question will come out of that. But I'd love to know what your what you and Chris went through, what that journey was branching outside of cigars. So you guys have recently moved into uh, offering your own coffee blends as well as a bourbon and a rye. And I, as one who signs up for your coffee club and has bottles of both your whiskeys, know the quality of the product, but what was that journey like being able to say, all right, let's venture outside this and, and try introducing a new product uh, to our audience and without diversifying or just uh, uh, lowering the quality of the current product you had and uh, making sure the cigars kept the, the expectations that your audience has come to expect. Right, right. That's a great question. So one of the things that's like our mantra is crawl, walk, run. We crawl, walk, run into everything. So, you know, there's a, there's a myriad of reasons why we take that approach. Uh, any time we're branching out of anything, we can't sacrifice the quality and, and the mission of, of what we're doing with Ezra to, to do anything else. That's, that's absolutely paramount. Mm. That's like the sacrosanct, untouchable, uh, you know, safeguarded thing that we have is that, you know, anything can't touch it. So that being said, as far as coming up with bridge products, we look at it as, what can we do to 
better serve our customers. Yeah. What are we seeing people on social naturally and organically pairing with our cigars? Yeah. Uh, coffee. Now, fortunately, I started drinking coffee when I was five years old. So that was a very <laughs> easy, uh, no joke, very easy. Oh, wow. um, and I will tell you, I went to uh, Seattle, I think I was 12. And my dad, my dad got me the coffee when I was five, uh, had this really strong cup of coffee at the airport. And he's like, oh, son, this is so strong. I don't think I can drink this. You want to drink this? And oh, I drank gosh. it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. What is it? It was Starbucks. Before Starbucks <laughs> was like a thing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. What? What is this? St. Arbuck? I don't even know how to pronounce it, right? It was just <laughs> crazy good. But anyway, so I digress. The, the coffee was a natural thing. Number one, we it. loved it. We're, love you know, it. we're coffee nerds just like we were cigar nerds. And so that was a natural thing that our, our people, uh, you know, we're drinking anyway. Uh, and then getting into the, the whiskey thing, you know, there's obviously all the, the business stuff on the back end and you know, laws and regulations and just everything that goes into business, let alone something that is an alcoholic beverage. But sure. obviously, if you look at social, the market from our, our people, we're basically telling us like, this is a product we enjoy with your product. And so it was a very natural um, less risky venture to do because we knew that Ezra people, they already, you know, they already know us and, and they trust us. And really that's what the brand is, right? Is trust. So if we put the same sort of quality and passion into coffee and whiskey, things like that, uh, they're going to like it. It's going to, it's going to be successful. It's a lot easier starting from, uh, kind of Ezra as the, the launching pad rather than coming in cold square one, not knowing, you know, not having an audience, not having a base of support, that kind of a thing. So hmm. that being said, it was very much a crawl, a crawl walk run into that because we, you know, like I said, we cannot in any way take away from what Ezra is doing because that's just paramount. Have you found that because coffee and uh, whiskey was such a great pairing for cigars, it was a direct audience uh, crossover, or you found that it's created any type of segmentation of your audiences that you have people who just love you for your bourbon, just love you for your coffee, just love you for your cigars, or is it all purely a, a, a hodgepodge of everyone coming together? You know, it's kind of a like symbiotic thing. So you know, we have folks on the cigar side that, you know, we put out email, you know, information on, Hey, we launched, you know, a part of Oak and Eden. Uh, we're launching this, this whiskey. Uh, and they're like, I love Ezra. I'm all over this. Uh, but then on the other side, it's folks who that, you know, they're very much into the whiskey and that's how they, they came in on the Oak and Eden side. And then they see, you know, Oak and Eden cigar. Oh man. You know, I smoke cigars once a month. I like a cigar with my whiskey. And then they try right. it. And so then they become a regular customer because they're like, I've never had a cigar this good. I've never had a, you know, this is amazing. And you know, that kind of a stuff. So it very much feeds one another. Um, I will say from our Ezra folks, there is, I would probably say 80, 90% of everybody that's smoking cigars is drinking either coffee or whiskey. Wow. So I don't think there's a whole lot of people out there that are, and I'm sure there's some that are like big time, you know, diet Coke drinkers with, <laughs> you know, uh, with cigars or, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure they're out there, but that's not like a, Hey, we need to launch our own soda line, man. Sure. I think this would be great. I don't drink soda. Chris doesn't drink soda. It's just not anything we would be good at, but, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's been good, but you know, those were, those were educated, um, steps. Those were informed by naturally occurring, um, you know, naturally occurring data that was happening 
um, that we were, we were looking at going, I think the market is telling us something. Here may be an opportunity for us to get into this space as well, because we're seeing this organically come from our people. Whereas if we launched, you know, Ezra's Eye and Soda, I don't know. That might be a hit or miss thing. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And I guess if you'll let me ask, is there anything on the horizon that uh, you guys are working on now to, to share a sneak peek with us? Well, as cigars go, um, we always have <laughs> productions nonstop. Uh, so, we, I mean, we, it's insane. Uh, you know, we work with about half a dozen factories in addition to the stuff we do at Easy HQ. So, the really for us, the majority of our time is spent uh, sourcing great tobacco and, um, I mean, really great tobacco. And, and we put out so many cigars over the, you know, we have Ezra Zion. We also have acquired the Nomad brand yeah. uh, a few months ago. Um, so producing cigars for that and, you know, how, what, what makes Nomad different than Ezra and asking that question and, you know, the way the cigars are, you know, presented and just different things like that. But then also we own Cigar Federation. So that's not only a you know, community in, in and of itself, but that's also obviously an online store. And then, you know, you have the brands within Cigar Federation. So, you know, the small batch stuff that comes out on the Cigar Federation tobaccos brand under that banner, the Back to Direct Boutiques, blending some of that stuff, sourcing some of that stuff. Production is just a, it's, it's a big deal for us. It's, sure. We spend a lot of time um, with cigar production. And then, you know, uh, we're putting out six to 10 blends a month. Wow. Um, you know, including the exclusives. Yeah. So it's a, it's a non nonstop thing. Um, and we'll just keep doing it as long as, <laughs> as long as y'all keep buying it. Yeah. Um, but then with the coffee, you know, there's the blending of the coffee, the sourcing of the coffee, the roasting of the coffee, that different thing, uh, different things with that. Um, it's, that's really what we're, we're doing. So as far as, you know, anything new on the horizon, I think right now we're at, uh, probably max capacity with our, with our bandwidth. Sounds like it. So we're, uh, we're just circling the wagons, man, putting our heads down, nose to the grindstone and just really focusing on what we're doing. Um, and, and to really, I think we've, you know, and I don't mean to sound, you know, cocky or anything by any means, but you know, you want to get to that level of mastery, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know how to do this. I'm good at this. I think right now we're in a place where we're saying, okay, we're good at this. People are happy. Things are going well. What are we doing stupid today that we could fix? We're constantly asking that question. What am I doing dumb today <laughs> that I could fix? And that's, I think really where we're at is, um, not being dumb. <laughs> that, well, that's, that's, a great segue is huge. It's the segue. I would love to kind of just wrap up with both looking back and looking forward uh, to start with looking forward as we're talking here. You know, I think when it comes to what you guys have been able to establish as a leader in the cigar industry for the boutique creation, um, for those who are unaware, Ezra, when they release the product online, it sells out the day it's released. Massive demand, incredible following. What, what, when it comes to what you're saying, you know, of mastering what you guys have already established, what is that next tier for you guys? Uh, what would you say can be done? Um, uh, do you guys have goals that you've set as a company to say in the next three to five years, we'd love to see X, Y, and Z done? You know, I, I don't know that we've actually 
in, in normal terms, I think that people would typically, you know, define as these are our, you know, five-year goals, Sure. you know, for, for revenue, for this, that we, we, oh, sure. we really don't, we don't even think in, in terms like that. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why, because early on going back to, you know, the, the infant days where, you know, we thought, oh yeah, we're gonna make the best cigars in the world, piece of cake, bada bing. Um, one of the, the folks who talked to us, uh, was a uh, Jorge Padron and, amazing right i was yeah. just standing there starstruck you know what i mean uh, yeah. this is like you know the, the elvis of cigars standing right in front of me. uh but one the of the Godfather. things he said yeah exactly right stuck with me was uh he said you know a lot of companies will make three million cigars a year and then they go okay we can make five million next year and he goes and they'll rush up to market and they'll cut corners and they'll use cheaper tobaccos and they'll get to that 5 million cigars the next year, but then they pay the price for it after. Sure. He goes, what we do is if we make 3 million cigars in a year, and of course I'm thinking 3 million cigars. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even fathom that. Right. Sure. But he says, if we make 3 million cigars in a year, and then the next year we'll have enough good tobacco, that's Padron level quality tobacco to make a million and a half cigars a year. We only make a million and a half. And I immediately thought that is why you're Padron. Yeah. And it always stuck with us. So I think our goals are how can we improve quality? How can we improve our customers' experience? Um, how can we make it more fun? How can we, um, you know, a cigar, a cigar is rolled up leaves. You know, I mean, there's not a lot to it. It's sure. leaves. So, you know, that being said, how can we make blends that are more, uh, more refined? How can we get better? complexity how can we get more flavors where do, where do we need to go to get different sorts of tobacco you know we were very we still are for a large part very nicaraguan centric um you know our first cigars that we came out with it, were, it was you know nicaragua 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 yeah. and we've expanded and used a lot of different countries because we want to be able to create a lot of different flavors you know if we're putting out a lot of cigars they all, it's like all your cigars taste the same. I always use music analogies. It's like the band, all their songs sound the same. Sure. We can't be that. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't want to be a one hit wonder and we didn't want all of our songs to sound the same. So I think for us, our goal is, um, you know, we want, we want to have an engaging fun names, artwork to us. That's part of the process. That's a really cool thing for us. It gives a cigar personality, but then also in the actual creation of that, we're at, number one, we're, we're still cigar nerds, you know, being able to blend and create and make something that's complex and challenging ourselves to be, you know, better than the last one and to be different and more diverse in what we're putting out that, that to us is the number one goal that uh, always will be. I think that the, the packaging, the names, the marketing that went into just how you define your uh, blends is what first drew me to Ezra Zion. I think my very first cigar with you guys was the original Brass Knuckles. And seeing that band mm -hmm. of an actual Brass Knuckle as the band on the cigar, no one else was doing something like that, much less creating a whole line around uh, the, the fun atmosphere you created in the packaging and the design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, number one, it's a lot of fun, right? And like I said before, it's so a question we ask ourselves, you know, what, what's fun to us? What's not fun? We want to do the fun stuff. Um, in, in, in just in business, you know, I had a retailer, um, over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, message me on Facebook and they were saying, Hey, you know, where, where's your rep? And I was like, we don't have any reps. <laughs> oh, who does events? We don't do any events. We do the underground event. Like once again, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, you know, who, who do I talk to about, you know, 
six and one specials. We don't do no specials. <laughs> and it, it was so funny because he said, well, how, I've been in this business, you know, 26 years. I, I've never seen a company like this. And, you know, how do you, how do you get retailers? And I said, well, I'm talking to you, aren't I? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> LOL, you know what? I'm going to bring you guys in. You know, that was, that was awesome, right? I love it. It's just, it's just what's, what's, what's unique to us, you know, what's fun to us because there's a lot of great cigar companies out there and I, and I love them and I smoke, I smoke all of them. I mean, I, I cigar nerd, but we had to stop and ask ourselves a question, you know, what, what's, what's unique to us, unique to Ezra, you know, if it's intellectual property trademarks, um, you know, blends that are ours, yeah. but a lot of people have good cigars. You know, we, we figured out real quick, me and Chris, no one else can be me and Chris. So we need to put our personalities into this brand. That's going to set hmm. us apart. You know, um, what can no one else copy? Yeah, that kind of a thing. So, you know, the packaging and doing that, that kind of stuff, that was really something that we wanted to do to give us, um, uh, to dif differentiate us yeah. from other companies. And, you know, the thought when we first got into this was, okay, well, here's how you do it. If you want to be taken seriously, you got to come out with a cigar blend in, you know, five or six different sizes and, you know, go around the country and, you know, fly everywhere and never see your family for five years and hopefully you'll make it. <laughs> and that's what we were told, you know, that we, you know, uh -huh. you know come the, out one or two cigars, maybe yeah. stat, status quo. Right. And I hate the status quo. I just, it doesn't, I'm, I'm the guy that wants to, I'm the contrarian. I want to, you know, we want to, what's nobody else doing? Where's nobody else looking? That's, that's what we're constantly asking ourselves. And so we wanted to, you know, figure out what's unique to us and, and, and do it do it different. So, you know, the, the paradigm shift in the mind of saying, Oh, why can't we put out a cigar a month? If it's a small batch and we're blending and, you know, Hey, let's, let's work on something and have it rolled and, you know, let it rest for three months and put it out and wow. put it out and put it out and put it out and put it out. And that just continued to grow. Cause if we could do one a month, why can't we do two? Well, yeah. Why can't we do three? And as we got our skills improved and our blending and, you know, our relationships kept growing and we knew more people, growers and you know all the ins and outs and backdoor shady smoke backfilled rooms you have to do to you know get good quality tobacco because man it's hard uh, but as our skills improved <laughs> in that part of it we were able to produce more so yeah it's I, again and i'm no expert i mean i know i'm on here as a guest and everything but i mean <laughs> really i'm as surprised as anybody i mean i'm just over here trying to make cigars that i actually want to smoke yeah. so really that's what it comes down to Oh, I, in that then, let me wrap up with one last question. As someone who, I, I like what you just said, you know, you built your brand, you built your business around what you love to do. And if, if Ezra Zion shut down tomorrow, you would still be the one smoking your own cigars. And I think that aspect of do what you love and the rest will follow is, is so paramount as a business owner, as an entrepreneur that I think we often forget of why did I start this in the beginning? But question I'd love to end with, you know, if you look back on where you are today and where you were 10 years ago, if someone was starting off cigar related or not, but starting off their business, you know, you talked at the very beginning of our conversation of having mentors committing to the process, learning from others mistakes. What advice would you have for someone who's just getting started in their business that they may be able to learn from either mistakes you've made or mistakes that you've seen others as what to avoid? That is a phenomenal question. So, you know, I don't want to get too philosophical, but it's going to kind of sound like that. <laughs> Please, yeah, we'll you know, uh, 
let me get my best, you know, <clears throat> Tony Robbins voice. Um, <laughs> kidding. I would, I would start off with asking the question, what's, what's unique to, to me, to this company? What, what's what's going to make me different? Well, how can I start not being another me too product or another me too brand? And I mean, that's a hard question to ask. Yeah. What's going to make me unique? You know, like I said, what can no one else copy? What can, what can I do to exceed expectations? Um, how can I blow my customer's mind? I mean, if, if someone is selling spark plugs and they're listening to this and <laughs> they're saying like, you know, how do I put a, how do I put a brass knuckles on a spark plug? Yeah. It's just really not applicable. Uh, you know, can you be friendlier? Can you yeah. be faster in your shipping? You know, I would, I would say, I asked the question, what, what's going to make my customer happy? You know, what's going to make them not only happy, but what's going to blow their mind. What's going to, you know, how can I give a personal touch to this? How can I, how can I, you know, put myself into it? Cause you're always going to be the unique one. Right. And sure. really make something that's going to, going to stand out. And I think asking those kind of questions, um, how do I make my customer feel special? You know, hmm. just it's, they're simple, simple questions. But if you get a pad of paper, light up a cigar and, you know, take an hour, two, three, a couple cigars and <laughs> think through that and ask that question, try to put yourself in that, that customer's shoes. If that's, if it's a B2B or a B2C business, um, we're really in the, in the reactions business because a customer is going to have a reaction no matter what product or service you're giving to them. If it's, you know, you're, if you're a server at a restaurant, you know, how do, the, do these people feel welcome? If, if you own the restaurant, you know, what's the reaction when the food comes or the drinks come? Is there like a, you know, their eyes light up, do their eyes get big, do they sit up in their chair or do they sit back and there's almost no reaction to what's well, a problem. So what can you do this that's unique to you? And that's something that I think only individual people can, can answer for themselves. Some people have different, you know, everyone has different gifts. Sure, Some people sure. are very outgoing, very you know, big personalities will use that. Some people are like Chris, he's a big personality. Don't get me wrong, but he's very logistics. I mean, this guy's a Marine, right? So He's all about the processes and logistics. And I'm more like, Oh man, look at this artwork. It's so cool. And he's like, whatever, dude, you're, you know, freaking me out. But <laughs> whatever your gifting is, your, you know, your dominant gifting and the way you're wired, I would say, yeah. you know, use that to your advantage. I would, I would wither and die having to do, um, spreadsheets and accounting. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, that's not my thing. I would literally wither and die. Um, I need to create. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why Chris and I are such a great team. We complement one another so well, but it, it's, I think we've asked the questions and I would encourage everyone to ask questions, um, before you start, uh, and even get out there and, and spend a lot of time, um, trying to, trying to, you know, be another me too product or a me too company, come out of the gate unique, come out of the gate with that, you know, crazy marketing, come out of the gate with, um, a lightning fast shipping or, amazing customer service and engagement. Uh, you know, if you're going to be very social media centric, dominate that, you know, yeah. read books about it, learn it, get to that mastery as fast as you can, but make it unique to you. And, you know, every industry obviously is different, um, different dynamics, different customer base, different expectations. So there's not, you know, obviously a cookie cutter, sure. easy answer for this, but become an expert in your industry and then find out who's not doing what, where can I one up somebody else? And, you know, the winner ultimately in all of this, is a customer. Yeah. Cause they're getting a better experience, you know, in one way or the other. And that's what makes capitalism such a beautiful thing. <laughs> that's the true texting coming out of you now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> I 
<laughs> if you have your cowboy hat on as you're wrapping up here. Uh, Kyle, I really appreciate you being able to make some time with us today. I think you've offered a lot to think on and act on as business owners and employees of businesses, being able to think through our brand, our community. And as we wrapped up here, what is that unique value that we can bring to the table? So thank you so much for being able to make some time for us to connect here today. Hey, I want to thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I know you have a lot of options on what podcasts you can listen to, so thank you sincerely for taking the time to join us for this one. If you have enjoyed this conversation, we'd love to keep it going in our Facebook group, Marketing from the Roosevelt Room with Kyle Willis. In that, we have live video, Q&A, and create more of a dialogue. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please join us on Facebook. Otherwise, look forward to catching you on our next episode. Have a great day.